0: Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B R I O N. McClanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours. Truly support the show by going to McClanahan Academy. Get that free class, 10 Myths of American History. It's always free to enroll. You also get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. Purchase one or 20 of my classes there. Keeps this podcast free of charge. Also, go to that support tab at brianmclanahan.com. You can contribute there. You can also get a book plate, my autograph of on one of my books. Purchase my books wherever books are sold. You can online, by the way, wherever the books are sold online. You can also uh, click on that shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. As always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you're thinking locally, acting locally. Uh, Those reviews are essential. The more reviews, the better. It moves up the list. You go out and you comment on that YouTube channel. It bumps the algorithm up. So do all you can to try to get more people interested in the show because that's going to create more of this groundswell, this organic growth, and letting people think lo- think locally, act locally. That's the whole key. And opposing all of this neoconservative leftist nonsense that's out there. And we have to confront the fact that the, the real enemies of local government, the real enemies of, uh, of think locally, act locally, are Puritans. Now, I've done an episode on this before where I talk about political Puritans. And I want to make some things clear, because I actually had a long-time listener of the show, and he's a loyal listener, and he said, look, I, I, I had a group of several people, and we got together, there about 10 of us, and we listened to your podcast. And some of the people left because they just couldn't, they got infuriated by it, and then others who were kind of sympathetic, and then you started talking about Yankees, and these are people in the North, and they got really upset about that, that I called people Yankees, and they thought that I was disparaging all Northerners let me make some things clear. I'm going to define some things for you in this particular episode on what is a Yankee and why we need to call the Karens and the Kens of the world. Just really call them what they are, Yankees. That doesn't mean if you're from the North, you're a Yankee. In fact, you're not. It doesn't mean if you're from the South, you're not a Yankee because you could be. Right? So a Yankee is a particular type of American that has a Puritan culture to them. Now, the best book ever written on this is David Hackett Fisher's Albion Seed, because he gets into Puritan culture in in depth in ways that nobody else has ever done. Now, that doesn't mean there's not some other good books out there, and I'm actually going to use one today in this way, because this particular historian gets into what the Yankee is. Yankees are a problem in American history, and they've infected so many things in America that we don't even realize are doing. In fact, what's happened in America is that the progressives have dropped all attachment to religion. They're no longer religious. The original Puritans, of course, were basing their their beliefs on their understanding of Christianity, on their so. And that way, you can be much more sympathetic with them and thinking that well, these people here had a distorted view of Christianity and what it was. Okay. So there. This is this is Reformation. This is. These people are too uh, orthodox, or too Catholic, or too too these th- too much this way. We need to be more in line with simplicity, with grace, with these kind of Calvinist understandings of things. So the Puritans, it, you can be sympathetic with their views on religion. We, if you're not a, if you're not of that line of thinking, you can you can disagree with them. But at least you could be more sympathetic with it, right? And say, well, th- this is this is doctrine. This is this is. Christian doctrinaire that they're disagreeing with. And so we're going to look at it from a theological standpoint. The modern progressives have dropped all of that. And essentially the state has become the religion, the state. So the state takes the form of the church. And because the state is the church, everything they do is religious. Think about how they describe the U.S. Capitol. It's a sacred building. It's sacred. That term sacred was reserved for religious buildings only. The Capitol was a government building. It wasn't sacred. It was a government building. Not sacred. You could say uh, it's honored. You could say it's respected. Because, you know, should we... This is, this is Biden's speech on January 6th. This sacred hall of Congress. Not sacred. Honored. Respected. Even if you use the term venerated, that's a form of worship. So they worship it. And if you look at what they do in there, I mean, they worship this. You even think about the statuary, the hall statues. Well, in some ways, you know, this is veneration. Now, I mean, look, I, I, we, we can admire heroes and, and re- remembering people who are important in America is, an, is, a, is a part of historical, our historical remembrance and remembering who we are. That's all important stuff. Statues, all those things fill that place. But it's almost like a pantheon, right? We're going back to Rome and and we're venerating people, not a supreme being. Okay? So in that way there's this very strange secular religion to it. You know, we have to understand in in Rome the leaders were gods. I mean, Augustus was a god. He was revered that way. And they thought of themselves this way. And same thing even if we go back to the end of the Greek Empire, Alexander was viewed as a god. So we have that part of it. And I think these people really do believe because they're elected to power that they are some type of deity in some ways. They believe it. They're, they're treated that way. They're supposed to be respected that way. We're supposed to look at the capital as some type of mega church. This is the government speaking, so it's the authority, it's the rule of the land, and if Fauci comes up, or Biden comes up, or Donald Trump comes up, whoever it is, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, these people are speaking from on high, and we're supposed to just genuflect and say, yes, yes, Your Honor. This is the Puritan mentality applied to the government. The Puritans were authoritarian. Well, I mean, you could say this is about just about any Christian denomination when you have leaders of the church. But the Puritans, more than anyone else, and the Puritans demanded obedience. And this is where we get into the Yankee mentality of the progressives. This becomes Yankeeism. It becomes the Northern mentality because the Puritans were strongest in New England. And uh, the Northern mentality among some of the population, I should say, in the antebellum period. They were dominated in New England. And they wanted to ensure that everyone was like them. And if you weren't, you had to be forced to be like them. Now, the Jeffersonians were in stark contrast to this. The Jeffersonians, Republicans on the lowercase are, we'll just call them Jeffersonians, but they dominated almost every state in America outside of New England. And they ensured that, for example, there was religious liberty. The Puritans weren't in favor of that. The Puritans did not believe in the separation of church and state in any way. They know that we know the U.S. Constitution didn't, didn't uh force states to abolish state churches because we know that there were still state established churches after the Constitution was ratified in New England. But we know places like Virginia and New York, they abolished state established churches. We know there wasn't any state established church in South Carolina. Uh, we know that this the, the trend was to not do this, but in New England they still had it. So that dominance, that that belief in the state and the church being one, and eventually the church is just going to be done away with, and it's just going to be the state left. That comes out of a particular type of culture in America, the Puritan culture. Now, there's a little book. Uh, it was written in. Let me get the the publication date: 1944 by Edmund Morgan. Edmund Morgan is a very good historian, one of my favorites from that World War II, you know, middle 20th century history period. Uh, He writes some really good stuff. And this book is entitled The Puritan Family. And I want to... The first chapter is Puritanism and Society. Puritanism and Society. He opens the book with a paragraph and and then an explanation of this that I think is just fantastic. He says this, there was a type of man whom the Puritans never tired of denouncing. There was a type of man the Puritans never tired of denouncing. He was a good citizen, a man who obeyed the laws, carried out his social obligations, never injured others. The Puritans called him a civil man and admitted that he was outwardly just, temperate, chaste, careful to follow his worldly business will not hurt so much as his neighbor's dogs, praise every man his own, and lives of his own. No drunkard, adulterer, or quarreler loves to live peaceably and quietly among his neighbors. This man, this paragon of social virtue, the Puritans said, was on his way to hell, and their preachers continue reminding him of it. So think about that. Here's the guy that minds his own business, does his own thing, doesn't hurt his neighbors, respects his neighbor's property, to each his own, lets everybody alone, does his own thing, is a civil man, very just man, but he's going to hell to the Puritans. Why? Because he's not a social activist. Because he's not trying to tell everybody else how to live. Because he's not enforcing his will on everyone else. Now think about that for a second. You can go about your business. This is one of the big debates we're seeing right now in America. You can go about your business. You can say, you know what, I'm going to do what I'm going to do you do what you're gonna do, you go on your way, I'll go on my way. To the to the Puritan, to the political Puritan now, the Yankee, to the Yankee, because these are the people that became Yankees, that is evil. Because you're not doing everything you can to proselytize and make sure everybody else lives the way that we tell you to live. And if you're not doing what we tell you to do, you're going to hell. You're not doing, you're not following all the woke, you're not saying all the woke stuff. You're not doing all the woke things. You're not following all the Fauciisms. You're not doing any of that. You are now persona non grata. And we're going to tell you so much. You're persona non grata, and you're going to do what we say, or you are damned. And if we can't damn you, we're going to throw you in jail or do something else to you, right? We're going to dox you. We're going to, we're going to make sure that your life is miserable. That is the Yankee. That is the political puritan. So the Yankee was a particular type of Northerner who wanted to impose his will on everyone else. The Yankee was one who thought they can never ever be comfortable because somewhere some, someone is doing something they don't like. And they have to root that out. It's part of their DNA. That's the Yankee. It's the Karen. It's the Ken. It's whatever it is. Now, there's lots of Northerners that don't fit that bill. Lots of Southerners that do fit that bill. Right, So just because you're in the South doesn't mean you can't be a Yankee. And people get very upset when you call them this because they know deep down that they're imperialists, that they want everyone to be like them. And if they can't force them all to be like them, they're never going to rest until they are. It's different you're talking about your own family, right? I mean, male-dominated families and trying to ensure your family's in line and leadership and these kind of things. But when you go outside of that, and now you tell everybody else around you to be like you, now you can you can say that you can show by example. This is how I live, and people, of course, could do these things. But if you're if you are enforcing your will on everyone else, that's a whole other thing. So he gives a, a part of a sermon from um, Thomas Shepard, and I'm not going to read the sermon. But at the end of it, he says, Shepherds colleagues said, Amen. In a thousand sermons, they repeated to their congregations that religion was not morality, that righteousness in society was not righteousness before God, that salvation, not civilization, was the chief goal of man, and that salvation was unattainable by good behavior. Only faith in Christ could bring redemption from the sin of Adam, and faith was the free gift of God not uh, not to be won by human efforts. Not man, but God alone is the author of regeneration. They insisted. So men are altogether passive in this in their conversion, and the eternal Spirit is only, is the only principal agent therein. So, if you don't follow the the religion, it doesn't matter if you outwardly do all the right things. You just if you don't follow, if you're not woke enough, you're never going to be accepted in the church of progressivism. The Yankee will never accept you. The Puritans believed what they said, believed it passionately, and yet they not only endeavored themselves to, to live a smooth, honest civil life, but tried to force everyone within their power to do likewise. That's the Yankee part, right? It wasn't just enough for them. They had to force everyone. See what he said? Force everyone within their power to do likewise. Force them. Mandate them. Tell them they have to do it. That's the Yankee. You don't want American democracy, you die, or we're going to invade you, right? If you don't take our democracy and love it. That's Puritanism expressed in American foreign policy. Aggressive imperialism. It's Puritanism. Pure and simple. It's what it is. No pun intended. They did not differ from their contemporaries in their views about the importance of salvation as much as they did in their views about behavior. They quarreled with the Stuart monarchies about such things as playing games on the Sabbath and with Anglican churchmen about vestments and ceremonies. They wrote hundreds of books explaining the exact conduct demanded by God in every human situation. They had, in fact, complete blueprints for a smooth, honest civil life and family, church, and state, and they were willing to live in the wilderness in order to build a society according to those blueprints. This was New England's glory and design, said James Allen in 1679. They came not hither to assert the prophetical or priestly office of Christ so much that were so fully owned in Old England, but as kingly to bear witness to those truths concerning his visible kingdom. In other words, the Puritans came to New England not merely to save their souls, but to establish a visible kingdom of God, society where outward conduct would be according to God's laws, a society where a smooth, honest civil life would prevail in family, church, and state. So in other words, they came here to ensure that they had a utopia, and you had to do it, they were going to force you to do it. Think about that. This is the Yankee. This is the person that forces you to live like them. It's not enough that you're just leaving them alone. It's not enough that, hey, you do what you want to do. I'll do what I want to do. I'm living, I mean I'm I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm not hurting you at all. Nobody's hurting anybody here. That's not enough because you're not doing enough to be woke. You're not doing enough to genuflect and show that you're woken up. This is a, there was an article about a guy a, a a cook who wanted to ensure that he had all these people vet his cookbook so he didn't offend anybody. That's religion. That is puritanism to its highest order. The puritans love that stuff because you've given them power now. You've given them power over you, and that's exactly what they want. Some other things that, of course, he says, which I found very interesting in this book. Again, the title of the book is The Puritan Family by Edmund Morgan. He says, It is easy to understand that personal morality might serve as a test of faith for faith entailed sanctification, and sanctification entailed morality. But well, why did the Puritans regard a concern for the morality of others as a sign of faith? The answer lies in the terms of the covenant of grace. That covenant had been made originally with Abraham, and in applying it to themselves, the Puritans retained all his original provisions. Said Thomas Shepard, One and the same covenant which was made to Abraham in the Old Testament is for substance the same as the, with that in the New, and this under the New Testament the very same with that of Abraham's under Old. Now, Abraham's covenant included not only himself, but his seed as well. Nor was this world used in a purely figurative sense, word used in a purely figurative sense, excuse me. It meant his physical descendants, his children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. And it meant his immediate household too. Therefore, when he promised faith in the sanctified life that faith was supposed to bring, he promised not only for himself, but for his whole family. And he was obliged to do all he could to make them fulfill the promise. So this was done. It wasn't just for him. It was for everybody else. And by default, everyone else outside of that. Again, it's not just enough for you to be a woke. You have to get everybody else to be woke too, because that's the religion. It's not just enough for you to believe in the saints of government on high. Everyone else has to believe it too. And if you don't, we'll force you. If you don't, we're going to make laws to make sure you do. If you don't, we're going to we're going to do, put all kinds of pressure on you to make sure you do. You see that the, the Yankee is the antithesis of free speech, of free expression of ideas. The Yankee is the Puritan. They're, they're the antithesis of these things. They, they tolerate no dissent. None. The quotation suggests that, the, that though the covenant of grace was made with an individual believer, the promises he made were undertaken not just for himself but into behalf of the whole household. All the members of his family were expected to exhibit sanctified or at least civil behavior, and he must see to it that they did so. This duty to enforce good behavior in the family was the germ of all political and ecclesiastical authority. Since Abraham's covenant had included all his descendants, it became eventually the foundation of God's dealing with the whole tribe of Israel. Christians had inherited the covenant in three forms, and again he gets into this. So this is Puritan theology. But he's saying because it applied to the family, it applied to everything else too. And this idea of mea culpa, of coming out and admitting your sins to the masses, and asking for forgiveness because you think that it's offended the whole of society? This is something the Puritans required of everyone to do. This is the political Puritans, the Yankees. Here's an example of it. In New England, these ideas penetrated to every level of society. Oh, I'm sorry, let me back up here. Thus appears another motive for enforcing a smooth, honest civil life. Zeal for the morality of others was not only a sign of salvation, it was also a practical means of enjoying outward prosperity. Quite apart from his individual relationship to God through the covenant of grace, every Christian participated in a social relationship to him through a social covenant. The Christian's family, church, and state had each promised to give outward obedience to God in every respect. Consequently, every Christian was bound to obey God not merely as a sanctified man, but as a member of each group to which he belonged. If he failed, he not only demonstrated his own damnation, but he brought the temporal wrath of God upon his family, upon his church, and upon his state. So if you're a wokey, and you don't make sure that everyone's woke, you're going to face the wrath of all these other wokies, And you can't have that, right? This is the religion. You can't have the religion coming down on you. In New England, these ideas penetrated every level of society. In 1656, one miserable girl, significantly named Tyra Poor, who had committed the sin of fornic- fornication, confessed to the Middlesex County Court that, by this my sin, I have not only done what I can to pull down judgment from the Lord on myself, but also upon the place where I live, upon the place. So this is why you have to beg for forgiveness. If you've done, if you've said one thing that can be damned by the wokey church, you need to repent because you've pulled down the entire society. This is how they think. Remember, if there's one place, somewhere, something that somebody is doing wrong, you're pulling down the entire society. It's not just that place or that person. It's the entire society that suffers. This is the language they use. That is the language they use. They use it because they know if they do it that way, they guilt trip people into doing one thing or another. And honest people, I mean, I don't want to offend somebody. But you know what? When you you come from this position and you take this position, you've done, you've transformed society into a Yankee-driven society. These are the Yankees. These are cultural imperialists. They have to force everyone to be like them because it's part of their religion. And it can be a civil religion, it can be an actual religion, but nowadays it's a civil religion. And the Puritans also were exempt from things, right? Think about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez going to Florida and not wearing a mask. Yet everywhere she goes in D.C. is theater. She's got a mask on. If she's in New York, got a mask on. Goes to Florida, though, to vacation and doesn't wear it. If she really believed in the doctrines, she would wear a mask there. But she doesn't because it's all theater, you see, and they're exempt from these things. And we know that they all believe, the political class all believes they're exempt. They can, they can do all this stuff, and the Puritans had that too. If you were higher up in society, you were exempt from some of these things. You'd have to follow this stuff. In fact, the higher you were, the more exemptions you got. You could be exempt from all kinds of doctrinaire. You have to follow this stuff. That's for the lowest. Once I have achieved this salvation, I can do these things because I am beyond this. Hackett Fisher does a fantastic job pointing this out. This is the hypocrisy of the Puritans, the Yankee, people like Nancy Pelosi, who while the whole city of San Francisco is locked down, wearing masks, she goes right into a hairstyle, no mask on, walks right in, does what she wants to do, gets her hair done, walks out. Nobody else could do that, but yet she could because she's in the political class. It's not royalty, It's it's they think they're privileged, right? Because they're in the political class, because they're the woke Puritans. They've got exemptions from these things. They've got dispensations from this stuff. Right, There's the Catholic Church to the dispensations. They've got these things for it. So this is why, the, this is when I've used the term Yankee. These are the people I'm talking about. Not just Northerners. And not I'm not saying Southerners can't be Yankees. There's lots of Southern, lots of Southern Yankees, by the way. There's, there's lots of them out there. They really believe that they need to force everyone to be like them. And that's a problem. It's not sweeping, it's not thinking locally and acting locally in that way. It's a beyond that. Right. Now, you could say these people are trying to change their own community, and okay, that's fine, that's what you want to do, but they're really going to force people to be like them. It's the it's the antithesis, it's one version of America, but it's the antithesis of Jeffersonian America. And so what I talk about on this podcast really is Jeffersonian America. It's the antithesis of Jeffersonian America. It's a version of America, but a different version of America, and it's one we have to be constantly on guard for because it is very dangerous when it comes to authoritarianism. These pe- authoritarians love this stuff and they're going to go along with, I mean, speaking truth to power, Karen Cox, not in any way. She's a, she's a Yankee. This is her. This is, this is doctrinaire. This is stuff. And you don't have to prove it. It's faith. It's faith. What she said in that book that I blasted a couple of days ago is faith. Just wrote a paragraph. This is faith. This is what it means. I faith in this. I don't have to prove it. It's just logic. I don't have to prove it. I just, I mean, to them, it's logical to think, but maybe it's not, but in so many ways, they have to have faith in it. It's not really logic, it's just faith. They think it's logic, but it's really just faith. So uh, I wanted to cover this for you because I think it's, it's important to understand that as I use that term, it's not disparaging Northerners and it's not promoting Southerners. It's talking about a particular type of American, a Yankee, someone who's a progressive Puritan, a political Puritan. That is the most dangerous type of American we have because they are bent on making everyone else like them. So, hope you enjoyed this week at the Brian McClanahan Show. You want to check me out five days a week, go get the Abbeyville Institute podcast which comes out uh, also later this week. So, get that one too. That's all things Southern. And I'll see you next week on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then. <laughs>